great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Good morning. Welcome into your week. Hope everybody had a wonderful holiday weekend. Happy Easter to all who uh, celebrated. Hope you had a blessed Easter. The NBA playoffs. We had some... Great games over the week, and we also had some snoozers. We had more protesters. We had um, really, you know, Friday night with the play-ins, the Pelicans Clippers, for some reason feels like it's been a week. That was just Friday night, and they uh, they ended that game on a high in the playoffs, and then last night they faced the best team in the league, and you know, got down by a bunch early, started fighting back, and then Chris Paul came in and said, yeah, not on my watch. We got a lot to get into. Cajun baseball uh, wins the series against ULM. Bounce back Saturday, disappointing into Friday night's game for sure. Uh, Cajun softball sweeps South Alabama last week, Thursday, and then doubleheader Friday to take first place in the Sunbelt Conference. We'll talk more about that later in the show. Coach Glasgow at 715 with me, Coach Deggs. At 8.15, some of you apparently watched the USFL over the weekend. I say some of you because I didn't. Someone emailed me over the weekend, are there any raging Cajuns on a USFL team? No. I just, I can't get into spring football, you guys. And I'm not talking about spring ball that colleges have. I'll, I'll follow, you know, the. The practices. I'll talk to the coaches. I'll see what happened in the spring game. But that's just that's just like it's the equivalent of like following the first week or two of training camp in the NFL. If after the first two weeks of training camp, instead of playing preseason games, they just took a bunch of time off. Like we'd still follow it. Very different than watching the re-debut of the USFL. But three million people, according to the ratings, tuned in to see it. Now, it was on two networks, Fox and NBC, and there were a whole bunch of people that turned into the United Football League a few years ago when it debuted on network TV. And then, like a lot of them, the ratings slowly plummeted. Oh, Scott, but a New Orleans team. Oh, Scott, but it's spring football whenever you have college baseball, Major League Baseball, and the NBA playoffs happening. Which, to me, it's crazy that they still had 3 million viewers when you have a full slate of baseball, hockey, and NBA playoff games. There were a lot of options, sports options, and I get this country loves it, but this isn't Herschel Walker or Jim Kelly or Sam Mills. No, this isn't former Heisman Trophy winners and first-round NFL draft picks playing in the USFL. This is Louise Perez and Kyle Sloter. Now, Sunday, I don't know what those ratings are. They weren't in prime time. 
They weren't on two networks. But three million on Saturday? Hmm. Not appointment viewing for me. The NBA playoffs were great, though. Now, last night, the Pelicans came out and got punched in the mouth. And they did. Phoenix was more physical. The, the Pelicans did not adjust to the physicality that was being allowed. Playoff basketball, it's different. And in the second half, they figured some lineup things out. Trey Murphy, I, I still he should have been starting. Jackson Hayes is not a good fit in this matchup. I still don't understand why Devontae Graham is coming off the bench ahead of Jose Alvarado, which tells me maybe Jose's ankle is bothering him a little more than we realize. That's the only explanation I can come up with. But at the end of the day, it it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, they came back. They cut it to six. They had a good third quarter. But Chris Paul is so damn savvy. Yesterday marked 11 years to the day that Chris Paul led the New Orleans Hornets to a playoff win over the two-seed L.A. Lakers, a series they were a heavy underdog in. Went into what was then called the Staples Center, got a win. Jared Jack jumping on his back afterwards. Jared Jack, who's now on the Phoenix Suns coaching staff and has been out of the league for a while. Chris Paul, who's still playing in the league and at an extremely high level. C.J. McCollum, who struggled mightily in the first half, starts warming up a little bit, hitting some shots, nails a three. Oh, my God, it's a six-point game. They were down by 25 earlier. Chris Paul's like, yeah. Watch this. Oh, you want to go under the pick? Okay, I'm just going to hit this three. Oh, you want to do it again? Okay, I'm just. He had three threes in a row. Guy had 30 points in the game, scored 19 in the fourth quarter, nine of which were, excuse me, 11 of which were in succession right after the Pelicans had cut it to six because he knew that was the moment. He knows when he has to do it. And Jonas Valanciunas, by the way, 25 rebounds, 18 points. But missed a lot of shots, a lot of close ones. And that's the Suns right there. Defensively, Mikhail Bridges, he's tremendous. When he was the primary defender, the Pelicans were 2 of 16. C.J. McCollum was 0 of 9. DeAndre Ayton, a couple of blocks last night, contested 20 shots. You know what the Pelicans shot on those 20 shots with with Aiton contesting? They were 2 of 20. Come on. It just, oh, the Pelicans, they were still in it late, and they they shot less than 38% from the field. The Suns had something to do with that. Now, there was a stretch there at the end of the first quarter and into the second where the Pelicans missed a lot of open looks. Like in the first half, they were 4 of 18 on uncontested shots. 4 of 18. They were 2 of 11 on uncontested threes. You shoot better, obviously, when you have the open looks, and it's a different thing. But part of coming back, guys, if you're being realistic with yourself, is the fact that Phoenix, especially in the third quarter, when Chris Paul was off the floor, had a big lead, and they weren't weren't being as cutthroat. There's no quit in the New Orleans team. Obviously, we know that. I mean, they started 1-12. I mean, Friday night against the Clippers, L.A. went on a monstrous run. 34-6 to run. They outscored the Pelicans by 20 points in the third quarter. And New Orleans took the shot. 
Willie Green screaming, you got a freaking fight, and they came back and they won the game. It was very impressive. Last night, they ran into the best team in the league. The best team. And Willie Green's going to, you know, figure some things out. Certainly from a matchup standpoint, the second half was a little better than the first. It's going to be tough, but this is great experience for a young team that wants to build off of it. As far as the rest of the games go, we'll dig into it more as the show goes on. We'll have open phone lines after we talk to Coach Glasgow in a minute. Celtics-Nets, game of the weekend, right? Best game one, incredible finish. Jason Tatum at the buzzer on a layup. First buzzer beater in Celtics postseason history in Boston. That's, considering how many playoff games they've played, that's pretty nuts. Kyrie Irvin, that's a hate that is shared between the Boston fans and Kyrie giving it back to him, saying it's fun. I dig it. Oh, it just, this is going... I dig it. A guy talking trash and backing it up, a fan base that can't stand it. Hate given, hate received. As long as certain lines don't get crossed, then okay. Makes it more entertaining. Uh, T-Wolves upset the Grizz in game one. Another protester. This time she, she tried to tie herself to the back of a basket. But they really don't like Glenn Taylor, who is still an own, has ownership in the Timberwolves, but, but sold it to A-Rod and eventually will be out completely. Were they, are they like kin to these chickens that they're protesting? What's happening in this? They're upset because he killed the some chickens on a chicken farm that had the bird flu. First of all, do they even know what ends up happening to these chickens? Like, they don't make it, guys. Maybe they're just pro-bird flu. I don't know. The Heat crush Atlanta. The Heat are the most disrespected team in the postseason. A one seed no one's talking about. UT Dallas is a snooze fest without Luka. Uh, the Bulls played the Bucks a little better than you would have thought. Milwaukee, though... I mean, they're, come on, they're not losing that series. The Bulls, the way they were playing down the stretch in the season, feel more like a 7 or 8 seed than what they are. Based on how they were playing the last month and a half of the season, not earlier in the season. Uh, Golden State's coming, my goodness. Sorry, Nuggets. 76ers, Raptors, okay. Yeah, I don't see Philly losing that. We'll get more into the postseason. NBA playoffs as we continue on the show. But up next, Rage of Cajun Softball. Getting a sweep against South Alabama. Now they are currently in St. Louis. They got a game tonight, number of midweek games. Originally had a doubleheader scheduled against Illinois tomorrow. Illinois had to change that to a single game because of their schedule. So St. Louis tonight at 5, 445 pregame. Illinois tomorrow at 4, 345 pregame. Indiana Wednesday at 4, 345 pregame. And then three games against App State this weekend. But they're atop the Sunbelt Conference standings. They won all three against South Alabama. All three games in very different ways. 
We're going to talk to Coach Glasgow about that and more. Don't go anywhere. This is The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Monday morning. This is ESPN Lafayette, 103.3 FM, 1420 AM, and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. You're listening to us via the stream. It is brought to you by Champagne's Market and the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. I know many of you listen on the stream during our Raging Cajun broadcast, including some globally, regardless of what time it is. Whether it be in Australia and France, Cajuns have a few players on their team from those places, or whether it be in and around Acadia or anywhere really. Here to talk to us now is the head coach of the first place Raging Cajun softball team, Coach Jerry Glasgow. Good morning, Coach. How is the, how's the weather up in St. Louis this morning? It's 39 degrees here this morning and 34 in Champaign this morning. It's supposed to be 54 at game time when the game starts and 50 when it ends. So we're kind of, we're doing reverse spring trip. You know, we're, we're, we're going from the warm, sunny, 80 degree weather of Louisiana to the cold 30, 30 degree weather in, in Missouri and Illinois. So uh, I haven't saw my girls. I drove up yesterday. I brought the pitching machines up in a pickup truck and, you know, they all flew in late last night. And I didn't, I went to bed. <laughs> I was, I got up at four and, and drove up. And uh, I, I I didn't even want to see them because I knew that they weren't going to be happy with old coach last night. So I I, I can't wait to get them out in that fifty degree weather today. I mean, it's, yeah, and and uh, laugh at them. But well, you, get, you're back in your stomping grounds. So they know what it's like to play in the forties. But for the girls from Louisiana and Texas. It's going to be a learning experience. I mean, Coach, I, I can't, I can't see your face right now. Obviously, you're on the phone line, but it almost sounds like you have a smile on your face. You just, you're well, enjoying I the cold weather. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to be happy. Ashley Pollock from Georgia. She told me, she said, Jerry, I won't cuss you out before Wednesday. And then I woke up this morning. I had the message on my phone. She said, I lied. <laughs> I didn't make it to Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. And she got off the plane last night. But yeah, we're going to have fun with it. It's, it builds character. This trip's not going to be easy. This is a brutal, this is a brutal trip, you know, to go to South Isle, back, back to, back to Louisiana, fly to Illinois, you know, playing, playing it. We're going to play in three states in three days. We're going to play in Missouri today, and we're going to play in Illinois tomorrow, and then we're going to play on um, Wednesday in Indiana, and then we're going to go 
seven and a half hour drive for me. They'll fly from Indianapolis to App State, and we're gonna we're gonna try to win three in App State this weekend. So it's a really brutal trip. It's a tough trip. They're gonna change hotels three or four times, uh, but we need that. You know, we're, we got a lot of freshmen on the team. We got a lot of young players, and they need the maturity and the challenge to to meet this trip physically. And uh, it, it'll be good for us. Uh, just, I promise, the last logistical question I ask you, Coach, and then and then we'll talk about you know the, the specifics on the diamond. But do you say you you drove this whole trip? So you drove up to the Midwest, and then you're driving now. Is that right? Yeah. Well, what I do, I, I bring. A, I want to stick to our routine. I like to stay to our as much as I can. It's impossible on a trip like this, but we want to stick to our hitting routine. You know, where everything's the same, and our pregame warm up, we want to keep it similar. So I brought pitching machines and pitching machine balls, stuff like that you can't put on a plane. So I drove it up yesterday, and uh, I get here. Uh, I got I got into the hotel last night around 10. I stopped. I stopped on the way and threw batting practice to my uh, grandsons oh, that's last cool. night. Uh, I hadn't saw them in, since Christmas. So Vicky and I, we went by their house, uh, took them to the field. Uh, I got to throw them batting practice, which was a thrill for me. Um, and, uh, you know, visit with them for just a few hours. My, my 92 year old dad drove up two hours to their house. And so I got to do that, knock that out on Easter. And then we got to the hotel last night about 11, I think around 1130. Well, that's cool. You got so to spend a, the holiday with, with family. I know that part of it's enjoyable. And are you, yeah, are you, you know, Easter afternoon, you can see your grandkids for a couple hours for sure. and, and, uh, that was a that was a thrill for me. And you are you driving back from Boone, or do you do you fly yeah, back? I'll okay. drive back. I'll drive back from Boone to Lafayette. Um, well, Coach, man, when I call you next series, week, so you're, you're... <laughs> and uh, we we don't. You know, it's a full week, but you don't want to go a week without hitting uh, velocity, and we'll, we'll get a little bit of hitting in every day, everywhere we go, and and we want to make sure. Like the last two weeks, we've hit a lot of rise balls, rise ball, rise ball, rise ball. Really, the last three weeks, and it's really important. This week, we get the we get the girls back hitting drop balls and curve balls, and 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 you know get ready for the postseason. And the, the idea of this trip for me is you're going to make you're going to play in Alabama three days, and you're going. Back Louisiana one day, then you come up to Missouri. You play one day in Missouri, one day in Illinois, one day in Indiana, and then we're going to go to App State three days, and we're going to play really good opponents. I mean, Illinois ranked their RPI is thirty-one. You know, they've they've got some big wins. They've got a really good team, and then we're going to play Indiana, who's got a really good record, and they're in the fifties in RPI, so higher than any Sun Belt team, but. You know, hopefully this trip will make going to South Alabama in May and playing four games in four days in one town in one hotel in one on one field. This trip should make that seem like a piece of cake and prepare us mentally for for that challenge. And and because um, that's going to be a lot easier. The girls will get more rest. They'll get more time to prepare between games for the next opponent. They'll be familiar with their opponent. This week we don't we're not familiar with anybody. We're not going to have time to really get familiar with them. We're just going to have to walk out on the field, roll our arms, these up, and compete. 
So this is a really, you know, it's a really tough trip, for especially for a team playing a lot of freshmen and sophomores. And they've never did anything like this. You know, they may have played travel ball tournaments and gone to California for a week, go to Colorado for a week, but they've never checked into four hotels in four days and and done all the logistic things that we're going to have to do to make this trip work. So it's, it's exciting to me. I'm, I'm pumped up. I'm fired up about it. Yeah, I could tell. And uh, we'll have it for you guys on our airwaves today, 445 pregame, 5 o'clock first pitch against the St. Louis Billikens. Illinois tomorrow, Indiana on Wednesday. Uh, real quick, Coach, just I know it feels like a while ago um, you guys swept South Alabama, but it wasn't your typical weekend series in that you know you played last Thursday and then you, you sweep them on Friday in the doubleheader. But in all three wins, they all played out very differently. Each game played out differently, winning in three different ways. What were you most pleased with? Um, in a in a series that you entered, you were second place in the Sun Belt. You leave Mobile, and you're in first place. Yeah, I think the thing I'm most pleased with was, you know, we still are, are getting past a rough patch in team chemistry that we 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 got into it. That it started with Georgia State, and then went on through Georgia Southern, and just just a typical, you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old. Um, you know, I won't say feed my athlete, but athlete things, and and it really, it's really been a strain on our team. And I think it come to a head on game one, and we we really addressed it, and we we really had a heart to heart talk, and and they responded that night and won that doubleheader in two different ways, um, emphatically with a seven to one win, and then they got it out the two-to-one win, but they come from behind both those last two games. They were down one nothing, and I think in both games early, I think they scored, for Southside scored in the first inning both games and um, and got the lead, and we came back and won, and, and then to hold off in the seventh inning of game three with bases loaded, and we put Landry back out on the mound, because I wanted to, you know, she's got to learn to win those tough games, and we put her back out there in the toughest of circumstances, and to see her, you know, we literally put her on the field with two balls, two strikes, and said, get her out. And she got her out, and then she had to face, and we made an error behind her, and we ended up with a base loaded, and her hottest hitter kid to hit three home runs already in the series at the plate. Score two to one, and we got her to ground out, and Jordan Campbell made a great play behind her. I feel like we really grew as a team. I'm proud of the three wins. I'm proud they... They went eight out of nine against Texas State, Troy, and South Al. Two of those three series on the road. I'm proud of all that. But what I'm really proud of is my girls, you know, learning how important it is to value each other, to treat each other with tremendous respect, um, to tolerate each other. They've got to learn to tolerate each other. And, and just as it's your family, you know, you may get, you may have a, a brother or sister gets on your nerve, but they're your brother or your sister. And and nobody else is going to talk about them. Nobody else is going to do anything to them. You're going to, you're going to love them. And, and that's what I'm proud of. They really fought for each other at South Al, uh, especially in the doubleheader day. And we're growing. We're growing. We're going to get better. We've got a lot of, we've got a lot of work still ahead of us. You know, softball, uh, IQ's got to get better. 
you know, we're, we're finding out like some of the simple, most basic rules of the team. Twice in that South Alabama series, we found out players didn't know certain rules, rules that I never dreamed that college player would know. So that just shows you the challenge that I, I underestimated. We got to get back on the field when we get home. You know, we're going to have to go over some very basic elementary rules of softball because they evidently never learned those things in high school travel ball. And, uh, you know, I, I would have never thought about Can you give us one example, Coach? Uh, Can you give us one example of, of what surprised well, you? Uh, okay, so uh, one example, Lenny Crater hit a ground ball first base. She starts running to first base. In softball, when you can't when you stop, you can't back up towards home. If you retreat towards home, yeah, um, the runners all have to return. So we scored the tie. We were down one to nothing. We tie that. We tie the game up. But when the first baseman started to tag her, she backed up a step or step and a half towards home plate, and they put the runner back at third. Well, you know, I think back on it, I've never taught that all fall. We've not. I don't remember having that conversation with my kids all fall. Now, that's a rule that, you know, you taught to junior high girls in seventh grade, sixth grade, when I coached junior high ball. But I did, I, it's not something you think about teaching in college. You just assume they all know. But then if you think about the day and age we are in social media, and, you know, there's a play right now been shown on TV over and over and over with a major league baseball player. I think it may have been the Cubs. He gets almost the first base. The throw pulls the first baseman off. And he takes him all the way back to home, and a runner scores from second. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I don't know whether you saw that, but it's been on social media, on Twitter. When you think about it, you know, my freshmen are all watching that video. And if nobody tells them that, hey, it's a different rule in baseball than softball, they're not going to know the rule. And that's what happened. You know, I I didn't know. I, I, I had no idea I had a player who didn't understand that. And yet, you know, after plays over, you know, when I asked her about it, she said, I've never heard that rule. I didn't know that. <laughs> so then I realized, okay, we got to learn the pitching rule. That come up where you get back in the circle. You know, they didn't understand how to, you know, that circle's been out there since they've been playing eight and under ball, an eight and under, 10 and under, 12 and under. That circle's out there, and that circle's on the field for a reason. But we didn't know what that circle was for. And so little things like that, we really got to go back to – uh, practice and work on and get ready for uh, the postseason. So it's a challenge teaching a, a new team and a young team how to play the game at our level, but uh, very interesting too. And, you know, that's just fascinating to me that, and I, and now that I think about it for three days, I can understand how kids watching baseball on Twitter would see that sure. and think I'll do the same thing in softball. But if we, you know, we just got a lot of work to do, but it's really a fun. It's becoming a fun season in the sense that you can see growth. I think they're they started out sixteen and eight, and now they're thirteen and two over this last stretch. And and I'm hoping we can keep going and finding ways to win this week and get back home and then get better on the practice field next week. Coach Jerry Glasgow, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, and unfortunately, uh, Sam Grader, the big homer, and then. Um, you know, uh, Falterman scoring uh, off of Hayden's fielder's choice. You guys get those two runs. You get the win. Uh, you get the sweep. But you and I were talking last week, Coach, about uh, just the difference in generation and how you're still learning sort of the evolution of players, coaching players today versus just 10 years ago and certainly ahead of that. Um, 
It's changing, and and as a result, I'm sure, and, and I think you've said this to me before, like as a coach, you never stop learning, right? Players don't, but as a coach, you never stop, and part of that is just the evolution of the generations. When you coach for a long time, if you don't evolve, eventually I feel like it catches up with you, right? You kind of, as, as, as the world changes, I'm sure the way the kids do, it kind of keeps you on your toes a little bit year to year. Yeah, it's a, it's a different, you know, the whole dynamics of coaching in 2022 are totally different than coaching in 2012 or 20, you know, 2002. You know, I coached junior high ball in the 90s. And, you know, you, the, the, the mental side of coaching a kid, uh, like a seventh and eighth grader in 1998, and we had good teams. Don't get me wrong. We had, we had junior high teams that would practice five, six hours in the afternoon. Uh, we'd practice from three to five thirty or three to six. They'd all go home, eat supper, and then they'd be at my house in the batting cages for two hours. And that, so that's the kind of kids we had at Johnson City Junior High. And, and we won the state title almost every year in a little a little grade school with 300 kids. Um, but those kids ate, you know, they ate and slept and breathed softball, and the community did. You know, we'd have we'd have thousand people at our biggest games, um, and junior high softball, and high school same way. Well, we tough. I mean, we those kids we coached them tough, like. But, you know, you you got on them, you yelled at them, you, and even today, like the the with the changes in society, the way you have to treat people, and it's probably for the better. But like you have to communicate totally different way now, and so you can't be as direct, and you can't be. And I ch- that's a challenge for me every day. Like that is a real challenge for me as a coach, and I'm trying to learn and trying to adapt and. The kids are trying to learn and they're trying to adapt and, and accept, you know, the, the, they, everybody, it's one thing's really obvious, Eric. Everybody on the team wants to win. And that's a huge moment for Sam Grader when she got that home run, you know, the, the night before I wanted to be aggressive. I wanted to be aggressive at the plate and we, we took the, the first strike out of the game. She took it. And so I immediately, I, I, it was the first time we'd struck out and I didn't want to strike out against Lockie. I made that a point of emphasis before the game and so we took her out put another freshman in and the next night the other freshman struck out so i put greater back in and she gets a home run and that was in a one to nothing game but that's who sam greater is now she's she's a tough player but she's adapting to the coaching game she's adapted to college game she's adapting to coaching style now she's been coached by nathan nelson and mel dumasich and uh, people in the hot shots organization she's a really tough physically mentally kid she's a super tough kid which is one of the reasons i wanted her in that one to nothing game but to see her get that home run and and tie us up and late in the game and then her teammate kayla falkerman you know who's also just been spectacular hitting over 400 this spring in a part-time role like it's not been easy to be kayla falkerman because you you know she doesn't get that rhythm of being out there every single day up until the last few games and she walks right up behind the home run and gets a double, uh, fought for a double, had to foul off three or four pitches, got a double, steals third base, makes a great base running read on a ground ball to second and scores, and we're up two to one. And, that, you know, all by, on the backs of two freshmen. Uh, and Matty Hayden with another freshman got the ground ball to second, which was good just to put the ball in play. 
but when she put it in play, just a just a ground ball to second, Falterman was gone. Her read was so good off the bat that wasn't even a play at the plate, and and we're up two to one. And th- those those are what we're seeing our freshmen now. You know, they're not playing. They're not playing like freshmen. They're playing like upperclassmen. They're playing hard nosed. They're playing tough. And so I'm really, I'm really excited about seeing this last three weeks and seeing just how good they can become because we're definitely on the right way. We're on the right direction and they're growing up. Um, but we still got a long way to go as well. Yeah, this week will certainly um, be a great test, as you said. want to close out this conversation. Coach Jerry Glasgow has been our guest, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Uh, Sam Landry, she's um, you know she's 13-2 and two record-wise, but uh, this young lady, I know in terms of community service, she's very active. Uh, she has plans to attend medical school. I mean, everything I've heard about her appears to be, you know, for her age, um, just upstanding in a lot of ways. We see what she does in the circle. You coach her. What's it? What's it been like? Because you have a lot of young players. Tell our audience a little more about Sam Landry. Because um, I think I think anybody that follows this team obviously knows what she means to the success of the team on the diamond. Tell us a little something about her. Uh, I guess off the diamond and and you know maybe something that the 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 common fan wouldn't know about her. Well, she's extremely personable. You know, like she's a very very down to earth, very personable young lady. And, you know, she's, she's obviously extremely talented on the softball diamond and she's really comfortable in that circle, even in the toughest moments of the game when, you know, most fans are dying and coaches are dying. Like at South Island game three with the bases loaded two out, two strikes. She's very comfortable in that circle, like extremely comfortable and you can't teach that. So that's something that, you know, fans probably have to realize by now. But like off the diamond, you know, she's got a little big old that she loves. She's always, you know, she'll, she'll come out to my house just to pet my, my dogs. Like she likes to come out to the house and, and my wife will let all the puppies out. She plays with all the puppies. And, um, to, to give you an idea how sweet a kid, like, uh, before every ball game, she'll have my wife a tea. She goes, she gets a, she gets a, she gets a some kind of special uh, iced tea like these young kids drink, and she delivers my wife to the ballpark, has it waiting on her with her name on it, have a note on it. Just a really uh, sweet young lady, and 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 growing, and and that, and even as great as she is on a diamond, like she'll tell you this off the diamond, like she's having to learn, like she's having to grow grow up in life and learn how the world is, you know, the the academic challenges, meeting all the, the pressure. She's in a really tough major. So grades, are, you know, she's used to making really good grades. And those grades aren't easy to come by when you're in college and playing softball and traveling all over. And so just the things I could tell the fans, like she's a very, very personable, very attractive, uh, very bright young lady with tons of energy, but then she also has those normal off the field, you know, she's an all American in that pitching circle, but you know, surviving college and surviving the academics, surviving the time challenges and time management challenges. She's a rookie (laughs) and she has the same normal issues. And then the, the life management skills, personality skills, she's, she's learning all that, learning how to, 
you know, be a part of a big team and, and, the, and how to survive the culture of, of the dynamics of a, of a college softball team traveling all over the country. Um, so on the field, it's fairly easy for her, but off the field, she's just like every other kid on our team. You know, there's times it really is a struggle. But definitely someone the fans, you know, will enjoy getting to know. And, and when you meet her, she'll just light your day up with her brightness. Coach Jerry Glasgow has been our guest. Louisiana Rage and Cajun softball in action today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. Uh, St. Louis today, Illinois tomorrow, Indiana on Wednesday, and then trek to Boone, North Carolina for the three-game conference weekend series against App State. Coach Glasgow, uh, I'm glad you got to spend uh, Easter with your family. Um, I'm glad that, you know, you're happy back in your old neck of the woods, but I'm glad you got to travel with uh, with Miss Vicky. and good luck this week. Maybe next week we'll have to, maybe I can record an interview with you when you drive back from Boone because you're, you're probably not going to want me to call you at 7.15 in the morning next week after the, uh, the traveling uh-huh. you're about to undertake here. I probably will still be on the way back to Lafayette. I'll probably be driving up on Monday morning. I doubt I'll make it all the way back, but it's going to be a long road trip home, and hopefully it'll be a good, like, happy one. But uh, the Illinois team, uh, you know, St. Louis is playing well right now. They're a better team than what I expected to have when I made this schedule, uh, which is a good thing. And Indiana is a much better team than what I expected. And Illinois is what I was hoping they would be, give us that good RPI. And we wanted the doubleheader. Uh, That's one thing, Scott, let me explain that to fans. We had a doubleheader scheduled all along. But Northwestern is in first place in the Big Ten, Illinois is in second. And, And their game got rained out last Wednesday night. So the Big Ten conference moved that doubleheader to Wednesday evening. And it just... The coach at Illinois called me and said, look, I don't want to back out. I want to play. I want to play one game. The athletic directors tell me, you know, don't, we don't have to play at all. We'll pay the penalty, the buyout. But we want to play one, but we don't want to play two with a doubleheader for first place in a conference on Wednesday. And I didn't know any way to handle that as a human being, but I, I understand that. I mean, that's a huge – it's been a long time, like never in the history, in fact, I guess, since – since Illinois started softball in 2000, they've never had a chance to be this late in the season playing for the championship of the Big Ten regular season conference games. And those two games with United are huge. So I, 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 let, I said, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to uh, make every attempt to attend our opening weekend tournament in 2024 at Lafayette. And I'll, I'll, play, I'll, I'll graciously accept one game on Tuesday night. Um, just give me your best effort to get to Lafayette in 2024 in the preseason, let the fans see a big team team on our field. And she was, she agreed to that. And she's from Louisiana, Tyra Perry. Um, so I think it'll work out in the long run, but in the short run, we're a little disappointed. We don't get two games there. And then, but if you look at the weather too, it's going to be a 50 degree day. Uh, the weather's, it's going to be cool. And we had those games scheduled at four and six. Now it was 80 degrees up here last week. This is just an unusual cold front coming in late. Uh, it happens, but it's not, this isn't normal weather. It, it was 80s in the 80s last week. So kids just kind of get a little bit of tough break on the weather. But, uh, that's the reason we're only playing one game on Tuesday night. 
I have reached out to Indiana. If I want to play two on Wednesday, we'll consider doing that. It's a little late in the trip for two games before the app series, which is a huge series with us. You know, we have a one-game lead in, in uh, Sunbelt. We don't want to give that away. We want to go over there with fresh arms. And But I did tell Indiana that we would love to consider playing it if it's an option with them, and I'll hear from them today, I'm sure. But we had a little last-minute adjustment on the schedule because of the makeup game between Northwestern University and Illinois, which is a doubleheader. So that means Illinois had to have – they've got to have pitching arms ready and available. And yeah. it's just the only fair way to do it. So that's what happened on that day. Makes sense. Single game with Illinois Tuesday. And you said possibly a doubleheader with Indiana Wednesday, something you guys might be working well, on. Well, it's possible. I, I don't know. I wouldn't – I mean, that's just something – that's an option that we are, we're gonna, hoping we can explore – and I don't know whether Indiana has the arms. It depends. It'll come down to the health of their ball club and how many arms they've got because they've got weekend series coming in that weekend as well. So that that would be the only way we can get that extra game that I'd like to have in. I would love to play another game against a Power 5 Big Ten opponent on this trip. That's, that's what we had originally planned. But I, we'll hear back from Indiana today, I would think. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Thanks for the insight there, Coach Glasgow, and uh, glad we got that in before we uh, we wrapped up this call. Uh, all the best. Uh, enjoy that cold weather because uh, I wouldn't, but I know you are, and uh, we'll be listening this afternoon when you guys uh, throw out first pitch, 445 at St. Louis, 5 o'clock first pitch, 445 pregame right here on ESPN Lafayette. All the best, Coach, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, thanks, Scott. You got it. That is Coach Jerry Glasgow, our guest. We're going to take a quick timeout, come back. Got a number of emails regarding the first round of the NBA playoffs. We'll sift through those. Open up phone lines at 337-269-1077. And we'll talk some baseball next hour as well. Coach uh, Matt Deggs is uh, scheduled to join us. LSU, tough weekend on the diamond against Arkansas. A number of things to get into as well as why the Celtics-Nets series is more about Celtics versus Kyrie, and that's okay. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN Lafayette. He peaked athletically in the seventh grade. Do you know what a hero you are to me? I presume you're referring to my four touchdowns in one game. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. No sleep till... Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Open phone lines for 337-269-1077. Weather forecast today from the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab and Daniel Phillips. Mix of clouds and sun, high of 79. Tonight, partly cloudy, low of 52. It was a little chilly this morning, a little mid-60s. Felt good, mid-60s. Hoodie and shorts weather, as I like to call it. Not too cold where you got to bundle up a ton, but cold enough where, you know, you don't want to just go out with short sleeves. Of course, it's really cold up in the Midwest where uh, the softball team is right now, the U.S. softball team. ESPN Lafayette, speaking of cold, that was the Pelican shooting last night, 4 of 18 on uncontested shots against the Suns. Jake emails. He says, Scott, 
How many games do you think the Pelicans can win in this series against the Sun? After last night, I'm thinking it's a sweep. I don't think it's a sweep, but obviously I didn't think they were going to have a shot to to beat them. Um, they're the eighth seed. The Suns are the best team in the league. You know, if you went into the series thinking the Pelicans were going to win the series, and you know, then I'd probably call you James Butler. I mean, come on. Got to be realistic here. There are a lot of people mad the Pelicans even made it. Play in. Play your way in. Play your way in. TSP and Lafayette. Troy emails. He says, I know it's all about money, and that's why the play-in was out in the NBA, but all it does is give the one seeds a buy into the second round. But at least the Hawks had a winning record. At least the Hawks. The Hawks who got stomped. Um, as far as the play-in goes, I don't know what you consider a buy, Troy, but you know, as you know, a buy would insinuate they don't even play. Last year, the first year the play-in was implemented, uh, not a single team that got in via the play-in um, was swept. All of them won a game, some of them two. So, yeah. Are you insinuating that an 8 seed is probably going to win? Well, that's true before the play-in or not. There's only been five times in NBA history an 8 has beaten a 1, and two of those five was back when it was a five-game series. The other was um, the Mavs getting blitzed by the Warriors, the Grizzlies beating the Spurs, and in those two series it was just terrible matchups for the the higher seeded teams and then the other one was the Sixers beating the Bulls back in 2012 but that was the year Derrick Rose the injury happened in game one and they were done after that toast doesn't happen a lot though but I remember I mean back when it was just a best of five there's that Shot of Matumbo holding the ball when the Nuggets beat the Sonics. And then 99, Heat Knicks back in the 90s had the best rivalry in the NBA. It was tremendous. Allen Houston hit a little runner at the end. Knicks ended up going to the finals that year. Now, that, that was a shortened season. It was coming off of a strike or a lockout. Um, they only played 50 games, and Spurs ended up winning their first title that year, beating the Knicks four games to one. But it was a great series, that first-round series. Memorable series, man. This It looks like this Nets-Celtics one's going to be memorable because the Nets don't feel like a normal seven seed. Last year, though, they played Boston in the first round, and Brooklyn was the two, and Boston was the seven. The hate between Kyrie Irving and the Boston fan base. Giving it back to one another. Kyrie talking trash. Giving the double salute. Back and forth. And when he's backing it up and going on a tear like he did. Like it's disappointing for Brooklyn that they lost the way that they did. But it would have been devastating for Boston. Had they blown the lead they had. And had that guy beat him in their house to start the series. When the more pressure is on the two seed. And he goes off the way he does. For real. Doug emails. Scott, I remember that Knicks Heat series well. Wish the Knicks were relevant today. Yeah, well, they're relevant in that they get talked about and they're valuable according to Forbes, but no team has been worse over the last 20 years. Literally. 
worst winning percentage in the NBA over the last 20 years is the Knicks. Dead last. Second to last is the T-Wolves. Third to last is the Hornets. Fourth to last is the Wizards. Fifth to last is the Kings. And of those five, the T-Wolves are the one in the playoffs this year where the protesters continue forever. Are we just going to have a protester every game the T-Wolves play? Which, by the way, that was maybe the biggest surprise. It's it's, it's all just game one, right? You don't want to overreact to game ones. But... Seeing how Minnesota handled Memphis in game one, was that it was just how they won that was a surprise. Really. I don't expect it to be the norm for the rest of that series, but that was a convincing victory. The Jazz won, but Dallas doesn't have Luka. It's probably the, you know, I don't know, a series that will get talked about the least. Brooklyn and Boston, that's going to be your best first-round series. You've got Kyrie and the Celtics fan. That, that's that's becoming a that's becoming a series in its own right. The two of them going back and forth. Two pointer, one finger combo from Kyrie Irving. Late in the third quarter of the game one postseason showdown. A lot of gestures back and forth, and afterwards Kyrie just said, "Embrace it, embrace it. It's the dark side. Embrace it." That's what he said after the game when a reporter asked him about that energy inside the garden. If it brings out the best in him. Where I'm from, I'm used to all these annex people being close nearby. It's nothing new when I come into this building, what it's going to be like. It's the same energy they had for me, and I'm going to have the same energy for them. And it's not every fan. I don't want to tag every Boston fan. When people start yelling bleep and bleep and bleep you and all this other stuff, there's only so much you can take as a competitor. We're the ones expected to be docile and be humble and take a humble approach. No, bleep that. It's the playoffs. This is what it is. I know what to expect in here, and it's the same energy I'm giving back to them. It is what it is. I'm not really focused on it. It's fun. You know what I'm saying? He called it fun. I agree with him. It was pretty fun. The wild ending. Wild ending. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. When we come back, some of you watched football this past weekend. I don't get it. How many? We'll take a look at the numbers. More on the NBA postseason. We'll talk Cajun baseball next hour. Coach Matt Degg scheduled to join me at 8.15. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. For those of you that waited until today because of the weekend to get your taxes turned in, I hope you did them. I hope you did them. Hope you enjoyed some sports over the weekend. I hope everybody that observes the Easter holiday had a great, wonderful, blessed Easter. I hope everyone had a great Sunday. 
Hope everyone had a great Sunday. It was, um, you know, no college baseball or softball yesterday. I say no. I'm, I'm maybe in parts of the country there were. Certainly none uh, around here. UL wrapped up their series Saturday. LSU wrapped up their series against Arkansas as well. A lot of NBA playoffs, though. A whole lot. And with all the options over the weekend, three million people on Saturday still watched the USFL. Is that a giant number for football? No. But, I mean, it's the USFL. Is that a giant number for network television? Not at all. In fact, network TV, it's... It's not really that big of a number. Don't have the numbers yes on yesterday's games, which didn't air on network TV. I saw some folks on my timeline tweeting about the New Orleans um, blue, you know, breakers. Took me a second. I was about to say the blue wave. The New Orleans breakers. But worth the watch? You have a couple of familiar names in that you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy in college, like Shea Patterson. But a whole lot of, I'm not really, you know, it's, look, let's just be honest. It's mediocre. At best, it's mediocre football. How do you know, Scott, you didn't watch it? I know. I didn't have to watch it, okay? Okay? I remember the debut of the XFL. I remember the United Football League several years ago and folks being like, what is this? I didn't even know this. Oh, yeah, people watched and all good, good, good ratings. Oh, wait, Shea Patterson, Paxton Lynch. I remember those guys. Exactly. You remember them because they weren't cut to do it in the NFL. This is not the USFL that Donald Trump and other owners put together back in the 80s that had Heisman Trophy winners and first-round talents going there because they were getting paid. Equal money. Sometimes better money. The, 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 the USFL currently, the current USFL, and the networks claim that more than 3 million people watch Saturday night's opener. Not a bad number going up against MLB games, NHL games, NBA games. But again, it, I called it the United Football League. It wasn't, it wasn't even that. What was, what was the one from 2019? The AAF, the American Alliance Football League, and the XFL in 2020, they got like $3 million for their first broadcast. They were on single network stations. You had a simulcast on Fox and NBC. So you were on two networks at the same time. Yeah. Birmingham won in a thriller, from what I understand. What is the USFL going to average on Peacock, on Fox Sports 1, on USA? Let's be real. I hope that for the players involved and the coaches involved, it lasts for a little while. They can have fun. Maybe make a little money. I don't Maybe. But it's mediocre football. This is not the 83, 84, and 85 USFL. Which was a springtime alternative to the NFL.
the NFL, which is vastly different 40 years later. The quintessential, without question, undisputed number one sport in the United States. Look, if you love football and you love the the, the early to mid eighties, the nostalgia, okay, you're gonna you, you can eh, you can get into it a little bit. But hopefully they have some stability. Remember the XFL's coming too. XFL three they tried to come out with it in, in 2020 and then COVID-19 shut down live sports and then those those leagues were, you know, they were they were already kind of DOA. But we have seen retreads of football try to, I don't want to say catch lightning in a bottle, but just make a decent coin. The Arena League lasted a really long time, a really long time. It was... It was unique. It was honest about what it was. It played in arenas, not in domes or giant stadiums. It leaned into the weirdness of what it was. The 50-yard field. The weird rules. The weird goals. I'm going to call them a goalpost. Whatever it was. The netting. Yeah. Teams trying to get back, players trying to get back in the NFL through it. Good for them. Good for them. If anyone's expecting this thing to work a long time, give me a call. I got some beachfront property in the desert I want to sell you. I want to talk to you about it. A great opportunity. We'll circle back to the NBA playoffs later this hour. Up next, I'm going to talk a little Rage Cajun baseball. They uh, win the series against ULM. Their winning streak was snapped Friday night in a disappointing end of the game, but they win two or three. And tomorrow night they will play at LSU in the Wally Pontiff Classic. We'll discuss that matchup, the series against ULM, the Sun Belt as a whole with Coach Matt Dex, Rage Occasion Head Baseball Coach, joining me after this. This is the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette. Best ticket in sports. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Quarter after eight. Joining us now, the head coach of the Louisiana Rage of Cajun baseball team, Coach Matt Deggs. Morning, Coach. How was your Easter yesterday? It was outstanding, man. Uh, great day with the family. And uh, it's really good. It's relaxing. 
It was good, man. It was good. What about yours? It was wonderful, man. I uh, spent the day with family as well. Uh, some in-laws enjoyed some boiled crawfish, which I know most mm. people do on like, you know, Good Friday, but I, I try to restrain and I, um, you know, I enjoyed it, man. I I gave up um, drinking alcohol for Lent, you know, I don't, I don't drink a ton, but I like a beer every now and then and, um, you know, had a beer yeah. and crawfish and, you know, played ball with the kids. It was, you know, went fishing. There was a pond. Kid caught a couple of, my son caught a few. It was, it was great. And then I got home late and, uh, and watched some hoops. I, I was... I was thanking God all day, man. It's plenty to be grateful for. Very blessed. That's funny because I gave up alcohol because I lost everything. Well, I know you've you've talked about that story um, uh, often, and I, again, I plan on reading the book this summer, Coach. But uh, no, I you know uh, obviously it's it's a it's a serious thing for you and your journey and your life. But what I'm do you? What do you do? You I give watched up? the Astros yesterday. There you go. So you watched some. You watched some baseball and hung out with the family. We went to church. Well, we got up early, fed the dogs. Went to church. Uh, came back, grilled. Watched the Astros. Played dominoes with Chloe. Went on a ride with Kathy, and it was good. What did you grill? Big steaks, hot dogs, chicken. Ribeyes or what kind of what kind of meat? Oh yeah, ribeyes. It's always a ribeye rib for Coach Deggs. Yeah, there you go. Or a porterhouse, something big. Is, is it when you're at a restaurant and you order steak? Is it the same thing, or is it is it just a grilling thing? No, I order a you know a tomahawk or a bone in ribeye. Yeah, something with a. It's got to have uh, a bone on it. So you're not going filet mignon, which I go with, but you know. Well, yeah, but that's a little bitty. I mean, you pick that up with your hand and eat it. I prefer I prefer a fork and a knife, a knife, coach. But I mean, I, you know, that's, <laughs> the tomahawk you can just grab with your with your hand and and go to town on it. Um, I tell you what, I did have some ribs this weekend and just eating it right up, picking up the. There is something about just not having silverware and just eating meat that feels natural. That just feels right. I'll give you that. Uh, well, we're meat eaters over here, so hey, I am as well. It was nice to um, to eat some ribs over the weekend. So uh, I, I want to start with the series against ULM, coach. Thursday, uh, fourteen to two. From an offensive standpoint, you had eleven guys with hits. Um, well, I think T. Rob had what four, um, and he's he's been just uh, really doing it, getting it done at the plate. Um, from an offensive standpoint, it felt like the best game of the season for you guys. Are you in agreement there, or is there more to it? It was pretty good, Scotty. Uh, yeah, I mean, what I liked was we executed a definitive game plan and uh, and started off strikeout, strikeout. And uh, if you watch, <laughs> Shock and, and uh, TR kind of mirror each other. And Strikeout, strikeout, and then their next time up, they go double-double. But watch them. They kind of mirror each other. And uh, So first inning, we strike out, strike out. And then what we're doing a pretty good job of is scoring with two. So then Debo comes up and hooks a slider down the line. And, and uh, Rock, who's on a little bit different approach, stays through the middle of the dish and drives them in. And, uh, it was just a good way to answer, man. And then we kind of got rolling from there. On um... – on Saturday, in terms of disappointing losses this year, where does that one rank? 
Well, I mean, is anyone greater than the other one? We've had about seven of those. I mean, it's uh, when it when it plays out the way it. I mean, there's some games, coach, where I don't that's know. Baseball, I, though, man, yeah. you don't know what. I mean, it happens. I watched the Raldis Chapman do it back to back days. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's just a crazy game, and and sometimes it's more contagious for teams than others. But one thing that this team does as well as any team I've had in a long time is is finish and re- respond and finish, man. Right. They've been deadly on the last game. Uh, the entire year, you know, even the Arkansas game, which we got a chance to salvage that tournament. We got a lead in the eight, uh, got a, you know, a, a tight, tight, which we're not going into, but the Southern Miss series is <laughs> arguably can be ours. Uh, and then after that, we've won the rest of them. Uh, you know, you, you go, there's 15 games in each half of the conference. So you start off with a sweep and then win nine out of 12, that's a good fight right there, man. And and look, we had a three-run lead in the eighth at, at Troy, so you salvaged that game. We had a lead in the sixth against South Alabama. You salvaged that one. That's a sweep. You got a lead in the in the eighth against uh, – or the ninth against uh, Georgia Southern. That's going to be a sweep. And then another lead right here uh, this past weekend. You're looking at what? I don't know, 13-2, and two, pretty, arguably pretty easy first half. Uh, very least uh, twelve and thirty. So there's a lot of good baseball in front of us, and uh, I'm, I'm proud of the way we responded coming off a sweep at Troy, and uh, you know just finding ways. That's a tough look. That's a mentally tough last two series right there because the other team has nothing to lose and all the expectations on you. So you've got to play really, really sound, good baseball. And if not, you're going to give them momentum. And, and once a, a lesser team gets momentum, sometimes it's hard to stop or, or you got to respond offensively. And so five out of six in that stretch, granted, it should have been perfect. But uh, I think most people would sign up for that. No, look, I get it, Coach. And and you mentioned Georgia Southern, right? You bounce back on Sunday with, um, you know, uh, an authoritative victory. You did the same thing this past weekend, right? Friday's game and you bounce back on Saturday. It's 7-1 win. I'm going to ask you about Trey LaFleur in a minute, but... We did it against South Alabama as well. South Alabama as well, right? And I also know that when I've talked to you after some of these, you've told me, look, we're glad we won the series, but we the standard here, we want to be, you know, it is higher than that, right? We want the sweep. So I know on one hand, you're really close, and on the other, it's like, it's baseball, and you want, you, I mean, you wouldn't be a coach if you didn't want them all. No, and, and look, this isn't wishful thinking either. I mean, I think everybody can legitimately argue, you know, we're 12 and 3, 13 and 2 in the first half. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, if you said which ones you want, I'll take the Arkansas, I'll take the uh, the uh, the Southern Miss, uh, Miss Call at second. That's a four run swing. That's a series win. And the one game, the three run lead at, uh, at uh, Troy. Those are the three. Coach Trey LaFleur, um, he's he's gotten into the lineup as of late. Uh, what do you have, his first homer of the season Saturday? And for a young man that I know he was drafted by the Dodgers coming out of high school, he was he was starting at Ole Miss his freshman year, and then he gets cut short due to COVID-19. Uh, he has a story up to this point. Um, tell us a little bit about this young man that I only know from sort of reading his stats, looking at his career, but 
What is it about Trey LaFleur that you think can can make him a special player and somebody that can contribute in the way that we saw a little bit of this weekend? Well, he's got to be fully healthy, right? And, and you know, Trey, uh, obviously we, we got out of Ole Miss. And, he, you know, one, the, the back story is he was very highly thought of coming out of high school uh, in Florida and, and uh, turns down a ton of money, a ton. Uh, by the New York Mets and uh, it kind of like shock, you know, and uh, it's easy at some of these schools and it's easy anywhere, right? If you don't get off to the stars that you need to get off to, uh, you can get lost. And, you know, and if you get lost at school, well, thank God you didn't sign because it's going to be compounded by 10. And uh, so it gets lost in the transition a little bit and things don't work out. That's just the way it goes in baseball sometimes. Mike Clement, the third base coach, hitting guy over at uh, Old Mess, was with me at A&M and uh, had in-depth conversations with him about him and checked every box. And, and so we get him over here, and, and uh, man, I really like him uh, personally. Teammates like him. And he bangs his back up. I bet it's early September. Uh, and that's it. We don't see him again uh, until after the Christmas break. When I say we don't see him again, I mean on the field uh, because his, his lower back's messed up. And so uh, gets healthy enough over the break, get into spring training. It's the very first day of spring training and, and uh, does it again. And I was just sick for him. And so right now is the first time we've seen him healthy enough to, to really swing and contribute. But, look, it's simple. There's, uh, it's very quiet. There's not a lot. It doesn't take a lot for him to get started and, uh, in the box. And so he's going to hit good pitching, and, and he's going to be able to get his swing off. Uh, now, from there, it'll, it'll evolve into approach, and he'll have to adjust how people pitch. And, uh, but what he did, uh, what was that, Saturday? Uh, what he did Saturday that's you just don't do that here now i've seen plenty of balls you know plenty of dudes jump ship dead central here uh with with a little help that had an 11 mile an hour south wind in it and so and the ball went above the stadium which means he hit that out of here 109 miles an hour into the wind which that's a that's a big league pop right there uh (laughs) that's mike strength's territory and and uh you know, so it's it's exciting. The guys love him, and they're happy for him. And uh, more than anything, Rocco's got to have a, a counterbalance in the lineup. And, uh, you know, to have one left-handed hitter for the most part all year, you know, CJ's in and out. Just depends on when he's hot. Mm-hmm. And uh, But if Trey could be steady, boy, that presents some uh, some different options for us. And you talk about him getting healthy, right, and what he's battled through from a health standpoint. Percentage-wise, I mean, nobody is 100% of this time of the season, but he's at a point now where he's he's healthy enough to play. Do you see him becoming a bigger part of this lineup moving forward? As long as he can stay healthy. I mean, I, I, I tweaked my back. You know, everybody knows I had back surgery earlier this year, but I tweaked my back standing up singing in church yesterday. So you don't, I mean, that's just put a perspective for you. You don't know uh, about a back. It's not like we're talking about a, you know, he's got shin splints or something. I mean, 
this is a or a broken finger. I mean, it's we're talking about a back, and so as long as he can, you know, take a page out of Kemple's book. You know, Kemp does a good job of just kind of self-maintaining, and he's kind of on his own deal, and and because he's got the back as well, but uh, he does a good job of managing that. Uh, as long as Trey can manage it, you know, we're dealing with a couple of different things. You got the arm and the back, so. Uh, you know, as long as he's healthy, for sure, man. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of into jacks and hitting balls hard. <laughs> Aren't you? Uh, I, I mean, who doesn't love the long ball? People, you know, what's the old saying? Chicks dig. Everybody digs a long ball, you know. Um, but Well, what we've done a good job of is shortening the field and lengthening the field, if you really watch us over the last several games. And uh, it, it's an it's a uncomfortable feeling for the defense. Coach Matt Deggs, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. This is the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Brather. Tomorrow, Coach, you guys travel to Baton Rouge uh, for the Wally Pontiff Jr. Classic, uh, the last one, and uh, not New Orleans this year, in Baton Rouge. Uh, Wally Pontiff Sr. requested that the last one be at uh, at Alex Box. A um, lot of history in this, this uh, Wally Pontiff Jr. Classic, uh, some memorable games in it. Um, before, you know, we get into the matchup itself, what does it mean to, to, you know, for this program to get asked continually to be a part of this classic and what it represents? Well, I mean, it's a huge honor and, uh, to be thought of in that, in that way. And, uh, you know, I can only imagine, right. And, and in the position that we're in and, Lord's blessed us to be in over the years is we've seen a lot of this and, and, uh, dealt with families that go through it. Uh, it's, it's, it's the worst thing that can happen is losing a, a, a child before yourself. Right. And, uh, you know, I just, Oh, my heart breaks for any family going through that. And, uh, it's, it doesn't go away. And, uh, so to be a part of that and to be able to use the, the venue and the game of baseball, uh, you know, as a conduit to kind of honor uh, the Pontiffs and uh, their family. And, you know, it's a, it's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. Yeah, man, 21 years old and, um, you know, always think about it's, him. It's devastating. Yeah. Man. It's yeah. devastating, you know. Kyler, he was 10, I think, lost a buddy on a four-wheeler accident. Now, Kyler wasn't involved, but it was it's, it's devastating. Uh, it, it's just you, you don't get past that. And, uh, you know, any time uh, uh, you lose a child, uh, it's just it's devastating. And, and if we can uh, use the game of baseball to honor him, uh, boy, that's, that's pretty cool. Yep, and uh, folks want to learn more. If you Google Wally Pontiff Jr. Foundation, uh, you can learn more about the cause and uh, what it represents. The game tomorrow, Coach, uh, midweek game, only one this week. Uh, Only midweek game for a while because of travel and then uh, midterms and things like that. Uh, And a game that, you know, you're playing a team. It's, let's just say, look, when UL plays LSU, it's not like every other midweek game for obvious reasons. Uh, what's the approach? What's the game plan? And, um, you know, how, how much more does when you wake up on a day and, and UL's playing LSU, do you wake up with a little extra pep in your step? Not that you need that, Coach. I know you wake up wired, but 
when it comes to this matchup, uh, there's a lot to get excited about. There is, and you know, I, and I know it's going to sound cliche, but it's just the truth. It's uh, it's another game, and and uh, you know, it's never about the name across the chest. It can't be, and uh, you, you, we've got to limit the freebies and. Uh, find ways to, to reach base, get our leadoff guy on, win the battle of twos, and, and really win the game within the game, and uh, do so at a good pace and tempo. It's going you know focus over enthusiasm, and uh, if we do that, it'll be a great game. You know we played Nipa Tuck over there uh, in the fall, and I've, me and Jay have competed against each other for a long time, and uh, he does a great job. Uh, they're always very offensive and he's a great baseball mind and, uh, just kind of a baseball junkie, man. Uh, got a lot of respect for him and Fitz and all those guys over there. I know last week before it was rained out, you guys had listed Chipper Menard as a starter against McNeese. Uh, what's, do you have a, an idea of who's starting tomorrow yet for you? And what's the plan for, for, from a pitching standpoint? No, I want to get an update on everybody. Uh, we'll meet up here in a little while as a staff and kind of kind of hash it out and, and really not just about tomorrow, but kind of get a game plan going for the week. So we're going to work out here in a little while and, and uh, we'll have a meeting as a staff and, uh, you know, figure out a plan moving forward. Coach Matt Deggs has been our guest. Coach, I'm glad you had a great Easter and uh, enjoyed those ribeyes. Always enjoy our Monday conversations. Uh, Safe travels this week to Baton Rouge and to Atlanta, and we'll talk to you again next Monday. Okay. Thanks, Scotty. You got it. That is Rage Cajun Ed Baseball Coach Matt Deggs. We'll take a quick timeout, come back, circle back. Last night's Pelicans' Suns game. Have listeners uh, requesting a history of eight and one seed and two and seven seed upsets in the NBA playoffs. Let me just tell you guys, uh, it ain't a long list. Doesn't happen often, but we'll tell you about that. We'll dig into the weekend that was in sports. Tyron Matthews still hadn't signed. What are the betting odds of where he's going to sign? We'll give you those numbers as well. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. We're right back right after this. Cause you can, and you don't stop. Cause you can, and you don't stop. Oh, when you can, and you don't stop. Hey, this is Rich Eisen. You can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to 3 on The Rich Eisen Show. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette. 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app, sponsored by Champagne's. Well, not the app, but if you're listening to us via the stream, 
Brought to you by Champagne's. Champagne's Market in the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Celtics 115, Nets 114. The uh, From an entertainment standpoint, number one on the list from the weekend. Holy cow. Tatum wins it at the buzzer. Marcus Smart, who I thought for sure was going to just pull up and shoot a three. That's something he would do there. Decides to dribble it out. They find Tatum. Don't call a timeout. They find Tatum who lays it in at the buzzer. 115-114 Celtics take a 1-0 lead against the Nets in a 2-7 series, which doesn't feel like a 2-7 series, but it is. The Nets just... With Durant and Kyrie, feels different. Kyrie going at it with the fans, saying, ah, it's fun. Embrace the dark side, as he put it. Embrace it, embrace it. It's the dark side. Embrace it. They want to give it, I'm going to give it back. That same energy. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Said you relish it as a competitor. He relishes it. So this is my first time in TD Garden. So what you guys saw, what you guys think is entertainment or the fans think is entertainment, all is fair in competition. Said it's fair. Man. Game two is Wednesday night. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. As far as seven seeds go, though, Only five times in NBA history has a seven seed beat a two seed. Not in a game, but in a series. Doesn't happen often. Last time it happened was 12 years ago. The Spurs beat the Mavs as a seven seed. And the Spurs finished the season five games behind Dallas. There wasn't this gigantic gap. That year, the West was extremely competitive. Only seven games separated the one seed from the eight seed. It wasn't your, you know, it just it wasn't normal. And prior to that, as far as seven seeds go, you'd have to go back to the 90s. Happened in 98, happened in 91, happened in 89, happened in 87. As far as seven seeds and eight seeds go, when it comes to actually advancing, Since the NBA playoffs began with 16 teams seeded one through eight in each conference, it's only happened 10 times. Five times a seven seed has done it. Five times an eight seed has done it. 13% of the time. It's extremely rare. Extremely rare. The play-in feels different. The play-in feels fun because it is that moment of single game, win, or get eliminated. Those were fun. It sucks for Cleveland. And it sucks for the Clippers. But it's fun for New Orleans. It was definitely fun for Minnesota and their win. Everybody piling on them. Act like you've been there before. They literally just haven't. I mean, they're, come on. It's Minnesota. They don't have a bunch of championships. The Timberwolves have gotten to one conference finals ever, and they had a player in KG. 
The Pelicans had Chris Paul for a stretch. They've never been to a conference finals, ever. Only one of two teams in the league that never has been. Along with the Charlotte Hornets, who, by the way, were the Hornets and the New Orleans Hornets for a couple years, and then back to the Charlotte Hornets. But you, you get my point. Enjoy the moments. Enjoy the journey. The Celtics and Nets, neither one of those teams, I wouldn't pick either one to win the title this year. That series is going to be really fun. But it's a series. It doesn't have quite the same drama as a single game. That's why game sevens are the best. Last year in the playoffs, we only got got three game sevens. Most exciting one was Brooklyn-Milwaukee. As Milwaukee ended up going on to win the title. You didn't get you get three in the whole playoffs. Hopefully we get some in this first round. Because there's nothing like that feeling of this is it, or you're eliminated. The Pelicans on Friday night, that game against the Clippers, it was a blast. It was awesome. Clippers went on a 34 to 6 run. Just smacking them around. Up double digits to start the fourth quarter. Willie Green, you got a fight, you got a freaking fight. Pelicans come out, win the fourth, win the game. Traveled to Phoenix, and last night played the best team in the NBA and scored a season low in the first half. 34 points. 34 points in the first half. Hadn't shot, what, 21% from the field? Horrendous. Hadn't had a first half all season where they scored less. Managed to come back in the second half, cut it to six, and then Chris Paul, basically, anytime the Pelicans came up for water, just pushed him down in the deep end and said, no. Deal with this. 11 years after the Chris Paul led the Hornets to a game one win over the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs in game one, 11 years later, he, he's still in the league. Guys that were his teammates are not. One is the head coach of the team he's going up against, Willie Green. The other, Jared Jack, is on the, the staff of the Suns. And yet there's Chris Paul still balling. How does this guy do it at his age? Remember the ridiculous Chris Paul versus Darren Williams debate? Then it became Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook. Chris Paul is the point guy. He knows when to take his moments. He knows when to pick his spots. He sends to Pelicans, oh, they got momentum. They've cut it to six. Let me go down. Oh, you're going to go underneath this pick? Are you going to go underneath the screen? Let me just hit a three in your face. Let me hit back to back to back threes. Scored 19 in the fourth, 30 on the ninth. Because when he had to hit the shots, he did. Pelicans got to do something different in game two. Now, I don't think they're going to win this series. They're playing the number one seed. Best team in the league. Who feel like they missed out last year. Up 2-0 in the NBA Finals only to lose. It's about the journey. Enjoy the ride, guys. You can email me, Scott, at ESPNLafayette.com. You can call us. Phone lines are open, 337-269-1077. Eric Mouton going to join me tomorrow. We'll talk some hoops with the former UL Hooper from Ascension Episcopal. AD and coach over there is going to join us in studio at 8 o'clock tomorrow. Jay Walker will be in studio with me. We'll talk a little bit about uh, UL and LSU, among other things. Real quick, told you I'd give you some betting odds on Tyron Matthew before we get to the phone lines. 
Betty nods of where he'll play next. Now, this is bookies.com. It's not an official board. Plus 300 Philadelphia, plus 325 New Orleans. Plus 600 Detroit, 650 Colts, 700 Jets, 700 Steelers, and then plus 400 for the rest of the field. It's been a while, man. First round of the draft is a week from Thursday. He's got to sign before then, right? ESPN Lafayette, good morning. Welcome into the show. Well, good morning. How long has it been since an eight beat a one? Since an eight beat a one? Ten years. And the last time it happened, um, it, it was when Derrick Rose, like, he, you know, he tore his ACL in game one. He was the MVP that year, and then okay. the Bulls were just, they were shot after that. But that, you know, that tells me. You there? I'm, I'm listening, Kyle. Yeah. It tells me that we're due. Oh, really? Time for an eight to be the one again. Yeah. Been 10 years. I tell you, I tell you this, I, I, they could have, one thing they didn't do last night, they didn't fold their tent and go away. Well, they, they haven't done they that all year. Fighting back. This team, uh, if there's one thing that this team has proven all year is that they never, ever quit. They never lay down. You start one and 12, well, you start 18 back. and they, they 32, you get in the playoffs, you sustain. The Clippers went on a 34-6 to run and had a double-digit lead at home in an elimination game, and the Pelicans took the punch, and, and they, they, they've shown that all year. They will, Regardless of how this series ends, you will never see the Pelicans pack it in in any of these games. They just don't. That's well, not in this got, team's they DNA. Got to within, they, got to, they got to within six last night. Now, I, hey, look, I give, I give the Suns all the credit in the world. They're a great basketball team. And they made they made a heck of a pickup with that player. They got a I don't didn't get his name. I was watching and not didn't had the sound down. But that big the big forward or center whatever that guess he plays whatever. Ooh, DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, that's a foreign number one no, overall. Not Ayton. Not Ayton. Uh, Ayton's been there. Ayton's Ayton's come along come along too. But I'm talking about the other guy. That was that was really dominating, especially on defense. Oh, Mikael Bridges. Yeah, he's gonna be the defensive player of the year this no, year. No, not Mikael Bridges. Bridges has been there too. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. It's, 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 uh, I he he wasn't on that team last year. I can tell you that. And uh, anyway, the guy the guy he brings a physical presence to the Suns that they didn't have last year. And you could also tell that he makes other guys around him tougher, which is, you know, that's one of the things about Aiton last year. Aiton just wasn't tough enough to play up in there against uh, the the fella from uh, Milwaukee. But having said all of that, I still one thing I like about the the, the this team from New Orleans. And man, I didn't I didn't never think I'd even be talking about them this year. I'm gonna tell you the truth, Scott. That team looked so bad when the season first started. I watched one game, and I was like, I ain't going to put myself through this kind of misery. You know, I don't care. You call yourself fan or not fan or whatever. But they don't pay me enough at my age to, you know, want to pluck my eyeballs out. All right? So you better bring me a product that I can enjoy. And this team is so 
light years different than it was at the beginning of the season. It it just don't even I don't even know how to explain it, put it into words. But I know one thing. This team has got some they got some length and some athleticism. And if they make their baskets the, the, the they can push the officials into making them get as many calls. If they attack the paint, make their baskets, this team has a chance against that Suns team. They they really do. I don't but, know. I don't think they're know, winning this series, uh, but the future is bright. Huh? The future is bright. A big, a big chance, maybe not. No. But, but they're not but, getting they're, they're not going to win. But they're not getting swept. I don't I think that. they're going to get swept. No, I I I, 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 I don't either. I agree with you there. I think they'll win. They'll win the one at home. I got I got one more. I want to try to get in before the end of the show, Kyle. Appreciate the call, right, man. Later. Have a great Monday. ESPN Lafayette got about a minute left. Go ahead. Hey, it's Javale McGee. That's who he's talking about. Javale played fourteen minutes last night. I know, but that's the guy he's talking about. <laughs> um, I can tell by what he was saying. He's talking about Javale McGee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, uh, I wanted to ask you if there is do you, do you see there being? And you may have said this earlier in the show. I don't know, but is there any outside possibility that Zion may play at some point in the series? Not that it really matters, but I just I don't know. I just kind of like I to see doubt, what it looks I, like. I doubt it. But you've now reached a point where he's playing. He's been cleared for five on five in practice. So how right, much exactly. more? I mean, how he, much more? I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. I know that this medical staff is light years ahead of the old one, and they're, they're all the minute right. details. They make sure that every box is checked before they put someone out there. So it's easy yeah. for folks to Bye. say, "Oh, look, he did a windmill dunk, and and he was hanging out." Like, what's his <laughs> conditioning? You know, what, what's right. all, all of this stuff? So I, I would no, say I, that I, I, to- I totally. Go ahead, I would just say, I, I wouldn't say it's an impossibility, right? But I would put it at about the same percentage in terms of how many times a 7 or an 8 has won a series. I'd put it at about 13%, <laughs> right. which isn't that high. So I'm not expecting it, yeah. but, you know, you, you make it a deep series, who knows? But then if you get to like 6 or 7, is that a time to bring well, him back? You, it, it almost feels like you need right, a restart. Exactly. So, But if he's medically yeah, was, cleared, kinda, you need to play him. They bring... Right, I, I felt like you know it, there's there's nothing to lose because I mean let's be honest, no nobody, you know besides Kyle in the world believes that the Pelicans are going to win this series. Well, James Butler does, but, but you know, <laughs> yeah, of course, in Butler, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but I, I think now if you're going to bring him back just to kind of tease and you know see what it's like and see what the chemistry might be like, I feel like now is as good a time as any because you know the competition is going to be super high and. Get the experience. You know, ready, no, I, I like you know, like I, I'm with you. The argument against it, the folks say, is well, I mean, well, health wise, if he's medically cleared, then Correct. he the season could end and he's going to be out there playing hoops with someone. Like if he's medically cleared, you can't not play him because you're afraid he's going to get hurt. Then you're not going to play him ever. Like medical clearance, once back. he checks the boxes, put him out there, right? Let him start playing with these guys yeah. because picturing him and Jonas, <laughs> you know, in in the paint, like. Right. Good luck. Well, there was there was many times in the game last night where I saw, and I love Jackson Hayes for what he brings to the team. But there was many He's times where yet. I was watching, and I thought you insert Zion into the spot that Jackson Hayes is. It's a completely different 
Hundred percent play, like and a, and for this series, is, is completely different. Yeah, I'm with you. And for this series, I think they need to put Trey Murphy in the lineup or someone different because Agreed. Devin Booker's Agreed. out there and he's just not even bothering with Jackson. He's just he's not even looking. At, he's yeah, not even exactly. bothering with him. Put someone out there that <laughs> even if Trey's just sitting in the corner, they have to account for him because he can knock down the three exactly. constantly. And last night they needed some shots because. Yeah, yeah. The I would say the first nine minutes, all those shots were contested, and the defense was really good. But the last three minutes of the first and like the first half of the second quarter, there were so many open looks that they were missing. I mean, they were four of eighteen on uncontested shots in the first half, two of eleven on three pointers. Knock those down, and it's different. But it was um, exactly. it just wasn't meant to be. So I appreciate the call, man. Have a great one. We're up against it. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Eric Mouton, Jay Walker. The Dan Patrick Show is next. This is ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. What up, guys? It's Scott reminding you that the NBA playoffs equals next-level basketball. Get in on the first round of action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same-game parlays. You can buy multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, each day of the first round, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if the same game parlay doesn't hit. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 1420. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code 1420 at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. $5 minimum deposit. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Licensee partner Gold Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. 